They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menswar. You are my fire, the one desire to be. When I say I want it that way, tell a, me why. It's not about what you want. What? Jim. It is not about what you want no. at all. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on Thoughts That Rock, the podcast that's about exchanging two pieces of life-changing advice squeezed into about 30 minutes or so. Yeah, and uh, I'm so grateful that we get a chance to hang out. It's good to see you again, buddy. I understand uh, at some point on this podcast, you're going to have to tell people that you're in a boy band. <laughs> I will like at a some legi- point. Like a legit Lou Pearlman boy band. I was. I knew Lou Pearlman. Uh, I'm not happy to say, but yeah. uh, in between New Kids on the Block and uh, the start of the Backstreet Boys, all that stuff was happening here in Central Florida, and... Yeah, at some point we're going to have to pop that story out. And so, <laughs> not very proud of it. What I love about this story is that Jim could sing, but Jim could not dance. No. <laughs> and so, hey, I learned all my dancing, my popping, and locking from Chris Judd, who, uh, who married Jennifer Lopez at some point. Well, he was a good dude. You know, that's a. Uh Tough, tough, tough luck on his part, I guess. He had to suffer through through an amazingly beautiful woman like Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> yes, yes. I do not feel bad for him in his dancing abilities. No. Hey, man, nice shirt. Where'd, uh, where'd you get that? Oh, one? you like this? I do. Yeah. I do. It's a little John Barbados. Um, I, uh, Name dropper. Yeah, well, I got it on Poshmark because I can't afford him Ooh. in the real stores. I love Poshmark. Yeah, that's Poshmark. cool. Are you kidding me, man? Poshmark is like I can get my... my my Johnny V fix here. My whole closet is nothing but John Barbados, but I can't afford the $180 t-shirt. So I buy them on Poshmark for yeah. 20 bucks. <laughs> I have absolutely looked at some stuff online. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a gold card member now of Poshmark. Because you are. I, uh, I, that's the only way I get. Apparently the show is now sponsored by Poshmark. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I loved getting a chance to hang out last night uh, with Fanzo. Yeah. Uh, Brian buddy. Fanzo. And uh, he former was doing a guest, gig. Former guest on Thoughts That Rock. Episode number four yeah, yeah one of the early one of the early adopters yeah he was killing it and uh yeah was in front of i think 500 uh healthcare professionals yeah. i think right this morning yeah he's a pretty smart dude i love that uh we got the ceremonial are you guys in a band <laughs> everywhere <question>. we go <laughs> everywhere we go sitting at, this at the point, bar we just tell people yes we are in a band we are we're in a in a band of male exotic dancers <laughs> male review <laughs> who are you guys rock and roll thunder that's right. yes that's her Rock and roll blunder. And also our good friend Scott Stratton's book. I know I just ordered uh, The Jackass Whisperer. What a great name for a book. Well, it is where I'm getting my clues of how to deal with you on a regular basis. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> that just, just cut a little close to oh, home. But uh, that's tr- right. Truth hurts. So listen, guys. Uh, I think you already know from listening to the show that we support Cannibal Kids Cancer, yep. and you know that's a great nonprofit, and uh, they fight for finding treatment options for kids who've run out of options. You can 
obviously check them out at CannonballKidsCancer.org. Yeah, please do. They do amazing work and anything you can do to support them, we are in favor of. Oh, yeah. Listen, we know how busy you are. Uh, life is passing you by uh, with every blink, and you are just looking to grab some of them tasty little chicken McNuggets worth of wisdom oh, yeah. that can amp up your life. And uh, so listen, it doesn't really matter what you're doing right now. Maybe you are, I don't know, eating pigs in a blanket. Mm. Um, maybe you're burning some microwave popcorn. Ooh, stinky. Did you like how I say popping corn? I did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you're putting on eyeliner while you're driving your car. Uh, I'm in a band. <laughs> it's still not okay. Listen, we're about to give you the 30 minutes you've been looking forward to all week. Jim, my friend, let's rock. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. Our guest today is my good friend, Sarah Morrissey, who is the current president of Chart. You've heard us talk about that association before. They're the Council of Hotel and Restaurant Trainers, which is basically a hospitality training association. And, uh, you know, again, we just uh, we've known each other for several years now through that group. First off, Sarah, welcome to Thoughts That Rock. Thank you so much. I'm I'm so happy to be doing this. Us too. I know that we tried to to get you before, and uh, boy, our schedules were just crazy. We finally had a chance to. Well, she got hit by a car, Jim. Oh, so is that, that what I, I was trying to stay the first time? <laughs> I didn't really want to bring it up on the show. That's a minor detail, right? You know, we've heard some pretty lame excuses, Sarah, but uh, being hit by a car is right at the top. Yes. She was medicated that day. I don't know how that show Again, could have gone. Should have been. We should have moved forward. We should have done the show. We then. could have talked about unicorns it and rainbows. Probably would have been your best one. Skittles. We could have had uh, the whole thing. The whole thing could have been. Well, we'll see how this one goes. That's maybe, right. Maybe maybe non non medicated. She'll be great. <laughs> We're kidding. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Wow. We've lowered the bar here. So, uh, Sarah, you know, has her uh, a great biography. You, you guys, if you're interested, you can find that in the show notes. I'm just going to pull out a couple things that I'll tell you because we knew each other through Jen Swan, if I can remember correctly. That's uh, yes. you guys work together, and uh, she's a good friend. We've done some work in the past, um, but Sarah's worked in a lot of different HR and training roles for some local hotel companies. I say local, I mean in Minnesota. Um, she writes some training columns for Hotel Management Magazine. She's a hospitality curriculum consultant for two different colleges, some local colleges up there. And she sits on uh, an employer advisory board for several employment agencies. And I think the coolest thing, Brand, is that she's an active advocate for homeless youth and mental health awareness. So, you know, Sierra obviously has a big heart, super passionate. She's funny. She's outspoken. And again, we're just so thrilled that uh, you found some time to jump on the phone with us and give us some cool pieces of advice. So thanks again. Thank you. So you, you know, lovely introduction. Yeah. Well, there you go. We, Most we, of it true. We try and set it up. Yes. Yeah. There's only a little bit of embellishment, but the majority of it spot on, <laughs> spot on. So, uh, Sarah, you're a fan of the show. Thank you for, for listening. And I think, you know, that we do things a little bit differently here than those traditional interview type podcasts. You know, we like to get right to the point and, uh, give people these, these, uh, leadership wisdom nuggets that they're looking for. So what is your thought that rocks? My thought that rocks is a question, and that question is, what would happen if you let things be as easy as they want to be? Mm, I like it. I, I love this. Please, please tell us more. 
so I have a mentor in my life. Her name is Robin Getman, and she mentored me long, long ago, and probably 12 years ago now, I was going through a divorce under circumstances that I had not ever anticipated, and as one often doesn't when they're going through a divorce. And she sat across the table from me and said, what would happen if you let this be as easy as it wants to be? And I was furious. I didn't understand why she could imply that something like a divorce could be easy Mm -hmm. in any way. I was mad. (laughs) I was thinking your job as a mentor is at risk. (laughs) Fail. (laughs) Epic fail. You have failed. This is the Midwest. Don't you understand that we have to go through all of this suffering and, and you know, challenge and walking up the hill in the snow both ways right. so that we can come out the other end and be a changed person and have perspective. I was not ready to uh, hear her feedback, so I just... I let it marinate for a couple of days, and that is something that I have learned to do because I'm a very fast-paced person. I like to make quick decisions. I like to take quick action. I like to organize things, work a plan, and get it over with. But I let it sort of sit there because I trusted her, right? And I just started noticing everything in my life differently. It wasn't even just about that. We would be in meetings at my hotel, and I would say, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Why are we taking 16 steps to make a photocopy? And it just changed my perspective on everything. And it, and it doesn't mean that there's an absence of challenge or an absence of pain. No, no, no. It, it's still there. You're just letting it be as easy as it wants to be. And and you were talking about, uh, obviously, divorce, but, I mean, that could apply to anything, right? It could be wh- whether you've got mixed marriages or company mergers or even trade policies. I'm thinking about this with other countries. Like, instead of making it a big deal and having all these obstacles and, and people having to deal with suffering, what if you just let it just sort of happen? And it would be so much easier in, like, any of these, I think, stressful situations, right? Absolutely. It translates in into anything. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes is Colin Powell saying, great leaders are almost always great simplifiers. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us think the opposite, that the greatest leaders have overanalyzed and made things very complex. Yeah. And that's why they're in the positions they are. Yeah. But that quote really, really resonates with me that great leaders are almost always great simplifiers. So I try to do my best to to really stay to that when I am facing something particularly at work, uh, you know, in my HR and training world, which has always been in hotels for 20 years, and I don't see that changing. There are a lot of things that pop up. You both know the hospitality industry, Mm, that you can't predict anything. Yeah, right. So you make a lot of progress when you let it be as easy as it wants to be. Yeah. Um, I think, in any situation. I think it's pretty. So uh, you know when when we saw your thought, it's well a, a couple of things. First, um, knowing a little bit about 
the last year you've had in your life and some of the things you've had to overcome, um, which we can get to uh, in a second, I, I think resonated incredibly on a different level with me, knowing your history. Um, but beyond that, you know, I look at it and you know, one of the things I say all the time and part of the reason why we want to define our core values and those things that matter most to us is because it helps us decide where we want to spend that energy. And, you know, we had uh, Melissa Wiggins on not too long ago, who is the uh, co-founder of Cannonball Kids Cancer. And she talked about having this uh, energy jar every day, right? And and it starts all full and she gets to decide wh where that energy gets placed. And, you know, I think one of the things that's helped her, if you asked her uh, in this last year, is defining those core values because it makes it very easy to know where to spend that energy. And when, when you do, you can let things be as easy as they want to be. But instead, that tug of war between our values and our feelings, you know, our feelings are just can be incredibly powerful and pull us in the wrong directions at time we get so emotionally worked up that we don't let things be easy because we're hurting right mm -hmm. we're going through some sort of pain and when we experience pain um we we get this an immediate protection system that comes up and you know we almost want to inflict pain as our first thought it's just this mm -hmm. eye for an eye that that happens um I think instinctually in, in a lot of us. And I think one of the things that you said that, that makes your, your thought possible is you had to let it marinate. When you heard this yeah. advice, you couldn't just do it. You had to sit with it for a few days. And I, and the word that really stuck out to me is you said you, the way that you were able to do it is you trusted her. And, and here's right. the, here's the linchpin, right? Because this is why people never actually let things marinate is because there's no trust in the relationship, mm -hmm. whether that's a boss, whether that's a, 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 you know, a loved one, wherever it might be, if there's an absence of trust, your ability to let things marinate dwindles so quickly that you can't. And so you end up lashing out you end up saying things you regret you end up doing all of these these bad things because you weren't able to let things go and i think that that's really what what when i first saw this i was like gosh can you if you're willing again we don't want to push but if you're willing to share a little bit of what you've been through recently um, i think people will get an entirely different perspective on how how passionate you are about this thought sure I have been uh, very vocal and very loud about how I walk with mental illness. And I have diagnoses of PTSD and generalized anxiety disorder. And that is why I'm so passionate about talking about mental illness. And for so long, look, I grew up in South Dakota, okay? We do not talk about feelings. <laughs> we do not parade around with our Zoloft prescription that is, you know, has mm -hmm. been in power for 20 years. We don't do those things. And I found it to be so liberating to finally start talking about these things that happened because it made it easier for me. Yeah. By, by voicing what I experience, it just naturally takes all of that sort of pain and heaviness and lifts it out and now it's in the universe and being dispersed and it really can be applied to, to anything. You, you referenced this past year. I've had a lot of change in the past year. I 
bought a house, got engaged, switched jobs, planning a wedding, all of those things that are going on. And people say to me, are you crazy? Why are you doing all of this at once? And it doesn't feel crazy to me or overwhelming at all because those are fun things. Those are good things. Those are blessings. Uh, But just the same, when something bad happens, I was uh, involved in a a sexual assault over the summer where I was assaulted. And the first thing I thought was, what would happen? What would happen if I let this be easy? Now, there's nothing easy about assault. Let's be clear. Right. There's nothing easy. So, like I said, it isn't the absence of pain. It isn't the absence of challenge. It's making the choice to to write the narrative. Right. It's, it's not letting the tail wag the dog, so to speak. Yes. And so, the, you know, what that looked like was you go to the police department, you report it. And for me, just keeping true to my core value of transparency, I talked about it and I yeah. wrote about it. And it... It honestly, I tell Robin all the time, you know, this this changed my life, which is a big thing to say. Yeah. But it does. It it permeates through the way that I look at and experience everything. So, first of all, we're we're just I I hate that you had to uh, go through that. Both Jim and I are are you know we've been heartbroken for you and just um, amazed at the strength that you've shown, uh, to, to speak out and, and honestly in the, in the best sense that we can say this, let this be as easy as it needs to be of doing the right thing for you. And, and I want to be specific about this. This was the right thing for you. And I, and you know, we just recently had Teresa miles, um, as a guest and, and, you know, Teresa is the executive director of the Jacksonville women's center, which is one of the largest rape crisis centers, um, in the country. And one of the things that, that we had talked about with her is, you know, the, the center gets thousands and thousands and thousands of calls, um, for women who've been assaulted, but only a fraction, only a fraction actually ever come and follow up and do anything to move it forward. And, and there are, yeah, there are reasons I was going to say, there are reasons for all of those things. Um, but to, to have you take this approach on something that is so volatile, that is so, so many emotions wrapped up in something and, and so much sort of trust that's been violated and this, this vulnerability required, um, to face something like this. Um, we're just incredibly proud of you and, and, um, you know, stand with you and, and we'll always be here to support you. And, and it's something for us that, um, you've, you've made this look easy in in the sense of you just did what your heart told you to do without experiencing all of that, uh, uh, sort of emotional baggage that can, that can just send you off in a really bad direction and, and end in ways that, that are horrible. And so, uh, you know, for us, it's just been incredible to watch you stand through this and know that, um, you are loved and the people in your life support you and, and, and want to continue to do that. Thank you. That that means so much to me, and I think part of why I am able to sort of muster the courage sometimes to talk about the things I talk about so openly is because I am surrounded by people who encourage me. And even if they think I'm out of my mind for saying, you know, what would happen if you let this be as easy as it wants to be, 
they let me be out of my mind. And that just comes with the territory. You know, if you're in my life, you're going to, you're going to get all of it. Um, but also I, I would be remiss to not mention the fact that I have an outstanding therapist. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that is letting things be as easy as they want to be sometimes means getting professional help to navigate whatever you're going through. Yeah. You know, most of the time we're getting a chance to talk about our guest thoughts a little bit in advance before we do the show. This was, this was perfect for us because we brought Brant to his first chart conference and uh, we were doing a webinar uh, or a workshop there. And since then, Brant's going to be, um, you know, one of the keynote speakers at the next event. So it worked out yes. great, but I was in the room, uh, in a side room and literally we had separated for about five minutes. Usually we're joined at the hip. I, I go into the right. next room, which is full and he's already found Sarah. Here's Brant and Sarah hanging out, <laughs> um, you know, drinking hand and, and having a conversation and you had already, divulged what your thought was going to be we we sought you out we wanted you to be on the show but to have the conversation and you you had said something at that time that resonated with me that really goes with your thought you had said suffering by choice is a waste of time and I, and I thought through that because I, you know I know from again my hard rock days when I used to do some personal development that you can't control stimulus right these things that happen to you you can no. only choose your response, your attitude, your behaviors. And to your point, it's not easy to do, but your life isn't dictated to you. There's a difference between us and the rest of the animal kingdom. We have free will. And if somebody, let's say, cuts you off in traffic, not everybody's going to flip the bird, right? Some people are going to go full on road rage. Other people are going to slow down. Other people are going to put on music and, you know, we have choices. So the, the fact that you're taking this approach of, I am not going to waste my time by suffering. I'm going to let it be as easy as, as it, it can be, it wants to be, I think is extremely, extremely brave. You know, I know it's a heavy thing that, that you've gone through, but again, I think people that are listening could put this in practice regardless of whatever the stimulus is, right? Absolutely. And when I think about, isn't free will remarkable? It is. We have the choice. Every day. I I raise my son always talking about choices. We get to choose how we react to things. And isn't that something? It's awesome. I think a lot of people don't know what to do with that. They They want to just stay kind of sometimes in the victim energy. And it's okay to visit, but it's not okay to live there. Yeah. Because then you're letting it take over your life. And, you know, it's things as simple as me walking into a meeting and seeing an agenda that's three pages long and saying, what would happen if we put this into five bullet points? Yeah. What if we bucketed these things? Yeah. And the look, you have to have a bit of a thick skin because anytime you're kind of challenging the status quo, which is kind of what I do, you're going to get looks and feedback and, um, some other things, sometimes some choice words, but this free will enables us to say, I'm still going to move forward. I'm still going to stay true to what I believe, no matter what the situation is. And by me allowing it to be easy, it doesn't mean I'm not honoring what happened or the history or how we got here. Yeah. It's just, hey, maybe we can move forward differently. I agree. And I think that it's, so, so the challenge 
of living this thought, right, for me is twofold. The, the first challenge is finding the strength and courage within ourselves to actually let things be as easy as they want to be. But I would say the equally difficult challenge is the judgment that comes by doing so from others. <laughs> and so um, when people that, are... That is more difficult it, than, than finding the, the yeah, courage. right? Mm-hmm. Because when people find that courage... Um, you know, if you are emotionally invested into something, into an argument, especially, um, it's like they, they, they want payback. They want some sort of, mm-hmm. of, um, feeling that they can hold on to that feels like so-and-so got what they deserved or, you know, I, I'm just, I'm reminded of recently the, um, uh, the police officer who shot, uh, entered the wrong apartment, yeah. shot right, yeah. and and the the trial ends with the victim's brother hugging her, and oh my gosh, and and the uh, so so amazing, yes, but the outrage from people like I can't believe he right. did that, um, is is part of what stops people from letting things be as easy as they want to be because they were so emotionally invested in this trial. That's a great point that um. Gosh, they they just couldn't believe that somebody could could find a way to get to forgiveness in that way. Forgiveness, um, and it's and that yeah. that happened very similarly with with my divorce. People were furious on my behalf, and that it came from a place of love. I yeah, knew that, sure, but I chose, and I still. Cho- it's been twelve years, uh, and. You know, I'm still, we have a great relationship. My, my son's father and I have a fantastic relationship. And it's still a choice. Yeah. It's still not easy, per se. But we made the decision that, you know, our son was going to be at the center of every single decision we made. And that's how it became easy. And I didn't walk with anger. I didn't walk with resentment. Because that would have been too heavy, I think. And so when this advice came into my life, you know, those many years ago, it saved me from feeling almost obligated to suffer. Yeah, yeah. You know, you said something earlier, too, and I think it's it's almost uh, rephrasing our thought as well. And so this is probably a good transition. It's, it's going to be very, very close to what yours is, but a, a little bit of a different perspective. So, Brant, what is our thought that rocks this week? Thoughts that rock number two. So, uh, our thought that rocks is this. Your inner critic can have a seat on the bus, but it can never touch the wheel. And this comes from some of the research and work that uh, Jim Trick and I uh, did while we were writing our book, Uh, rock and roll with it and it was it's part of his life coaching practice as well as to how do you deal with that inner critic and there's lots of there's lots of resources out there for people who um, are are dealing with that uh, whether they call it imposter syndrome or you know however you want to address it the fact of the matter is it's this this inner critic within you that is trying to tear you down and uh, you know, some of the advice out there is really great. Some of it um, makes me really nervous uh, because you can't ignore the voice. You can't pretend that it's not there. You're actually feeding the monster when you do that. And and one of the things that we recommend always when it comes to this is you, you have to ask a couple of questions whenever you feel yourself 
um, sort of rear up that that inner critic and it's beating yourself up. Uh, and, and the questions you have to ask is, number one, what happened to you that makes it okay for you to talk to me like that way? Why do you think it's okay that you can say something like that to me? And, and what you do when you, when you ask that question, even to yourself, is you take away its power, right? So, so you have to know that the inner critic, there's some level of truth in there somewhere, right? There's something that you can grab out of there because it, it has to be rooted in something. So if we can get to that one little piece of nugget that unfortunately is wrapped in a pile of crap that is trying to tear you down, you have to get through that first. And so you, you, you ask where, you know, what happened to you? Well, you know, who hurt you so badly that, that you think it's okay to talk to me that way, number one. And, and the second thing is when you give that inner critic a voice and you frame it in that way, um, again, you take away its power. You say, okay, I've heard you. Thank you. I, I'm, I've taken from what you're trying to say. I've taken what's useful for me. But now you can have a seat on this bus, but you're never going to drive this bus. So go back and sit down in your seat um, until you have something else you want to say to me. And, and that's part <laughs> of the, um, the challenge, right? We don't want to kick the voice off the bus because, again, you're feeding the monster and it comes back twice as strong the next time. But when you say, listen, I'm going to give you a voice. I'm going to let you be heard. But then I'm going to ask you to sit down. And, and I think that's one of the things that you, it takes some time. It takes some working on yourself. It takes some courage, uh, some vulnerability, all of those sorts of things. And I think when we looked at your thought of letting it be as easy as it wants to be, part of that comes from that, that inner voice, you know, screaming inside of you for justice when something like what you've been through um, happens, right? I mean, have you experienced that with your, your inner voice sort of trying to cry out for, for some sort of justice or, or redemption? Oh, oh yes. <laughs> I, I don't think we would be human uh, if, if we didn't. And there are still times, still, I mean, my, my assault happened in June, so it hasn't been that long. But there are times where I will think about, like, almost fantasizing about the police, you know, yeah. really grilling the person that did this. And I, it feels good. Yeah. I'll say it. It feels good to yeah. think about them getting their comeuppance. But one of the things that I have learned is that what goes around always comes around, just not on Sarah Morrissey's timeline. Nice. And that's a real bummer, right? Yeah. We, But the inner critic piece, wow, I... I have every resource available to me. I really do. I'm a, I'm a privileged person. But when the assault happened and people started to question, well, it was a late night and everyone was drinking, or I hope people believe you, or I hope you don't lose your integrity and credibility, and I hope this doesn't go to a trial, you start to doubt. Yeah. And that inner critic snuck up to one of the front seats on the bus yeah. and said, you know, what did you do to bring this on? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I almost played it out as though it was a, a person, a real character. And I said, thank you for your feedback. Yeah. Now yes. beat it. Now yes. be gone. Yes. This Both reminds me, it was so funny. I was, diesel. as we, um, 
uh, you know, as you were talking through this, I think Brant, when you were sharing this particular thought the first time, you know, not right yeah. now on the show, but before. Yeah. In my head, my initial thought was, and this is going to sound so silly, I was thinking about the TV show Lost, one of my all-time favorite shows. And there's an opening scene in the very first episode about the lead character, Jack Shepard, uh, who had gotten wounded, and, and he had this big gash in his back, and he couldn't reach it to sew himself up. He's a surgeon in the show. And so his eventual love interest, Kate, walked upon him, and they got the sewing kit, and he asked her to sew up this wound. And so all this is going on, and while she's doing it, he's just sitting there calmly, and she says, I don't understand. It's like, why are you not freaking out and running away and screaming? And he basically said, fear is a funny thing. He goes, it's so real. You choose, though, how do you how you want to respond. And he basically said, I just decided to let the fear in. So it goes Brant back to this quote, right? You let it in, you let it take over. But he said in this scene, but for only five seconds, mm -hmm. that's all I was going to give it. And then I'm done. I'm moving on. So he's going, you can't hide it. You can't run away from it. You can own it and say, it's there. I acknowledge it's there. And maybe it really does hurt. And I am freaked out. But it's not going to dictate the way that I'm going to behave and, and be around other people. So, you know, here I am thinking about a television show. But once again, I go, you can use this for anything. And it really does tie back, I think, Sarah, to your thought, which is, what if you just allowed it to be as easy as you want it to be? Or it could be. Um, I, I think this is brilliant. And I'm glad. Where did you get this quote before when you were? For us? We, yeah. This so is. For me, for for the inner critic one, this is something that Jim Trick has been. Oh, it was from Trick. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. I, I remember you talking a little bit about Brandon Hill as well. I didn't know if there was a. Well, it, Brandon said something um, last year that really resonated with me. Which uh, you know, Brandon's a, a great friend of the show, and and honestly, probably one of the smartest people yeah. um, I know. <laughs> yeah, but he does. Um, you don't know a lot of people, though, right? I don't, and I I wouldn't tell him that to his face. Um, because you shouldn't be that handsome and smart all at the same and time. Talented, right? Um, but uh, yes. So what I will say is that he he sort of talked about the difference between complicated and complex, and, and oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I got a lot out of this because the what he said was, listen, things that are complicated um, can be broken down into steps and still achieved, mm -hmm. uh, but things that are complex are more like pulling on a on a ball of yarn. And, and the more that you try to pull, the more things get tangled and everything is sort of tied to each other and it's a big mess. Yeah, it's messy. Yeah, and so things that are complex are really difficult to deal with because you can't break them down into step-by-step -step because it's all interconnected. And and I think that, you know, going back to sort of this whole idea of, of um, your inner critic, I think we treat it like it's very complex. Mm -hmm. But in fact, it's just complicated because if you have a process to deal mm -hmm. with your inner critic if you say okay what are you really trying to say yes acknowledge that you've been heard try to get what you can out of it that's real and leave the rest to itself mm -hmm. and then ask it to go ahead and, and leave um well that's something that's complicated but has steps that you can break down to actually have a process that's repeatable i like it um and and i think that that's incredibly important especially if you're uh, listen we all have that inner critic and and especially if you're a perfectionist um which which i will i'm not a perfectionist but i want to win mm -hmm. let's say that mm -hmm. i always want to win um and so if i don't win or if i don't have the result every time i step onto a platform i want it to be life-changing it's a joke right we all make a joke about it but but it is the honest to god 
only two words I want to hear after one of my talks. It's either life-changing or it was a complete failure in my head. And and my inner critic will just go to, go to town after something if something didn't go exactly perfect right. during a talk. Yeah. But I have to be able to ask it, where, where's this really coming from? Because typically it's it's attached to something else, mm-hmm. right? It's attached to something that happened six months ago, six years ago, 16 years ago that I have yet to let out because I keep everything in tiny little boxes buried deep in my soul. <laughs> and so it doesn't actually come to the surface until an untimely you know, Thanksgiving dinner where I yell at somebody over the cranberry sauce. Um, but, but isn't exactly healthy, Sarah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that is... That is my therapy. Uh, and so I, I know that, um, you know, obviously I, I I suffer from PTSD from everything that happened with my son. Um, but right. but I haven't found the ability to talk to people about that yet, which I know is a challenge and it sucks for me because I choo- it's a choice I'm making. I understand that right. I am choosing to not talk to someone. Um, and maybe someday I'll, I'll find the courage to do that. Uh, I hope so. But it, uh, I, I have to say that it's people like you that inspire me to to perhaps one day take that step myself, but it's, it's scary as shit. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm, there's a part of me that's like, no way, no way do I want to face that head on. Um, it's terrifying. Yeah. It's terrifying because, because we're in control. It's terrifying because it requires us to do the work. Mm-hmm. Look, if anybody thinks that, that therapy is the therapist doing the work, they've never been to therapy <laughs> because, it is the hardest work you will ever do because you you sometimes don't want that responsibility, right? Yeah. It's easier to say, I'm just going to let things happen to me and not take control of my reaction. Yeah. That's easy. That's really letting it be as easy as it wants to be, but not in a good way. Right. I, I talked about this a little hard bit. hard work. I, I think you would be a per- you know, if I was writing my book now or, or a new version of it, I would add in more people that I knew than just rock stars and bands. I do a lot of band and brain analogies, but the more human specific examples I could have used would have also, I think brought it down from the 30,000 foot level. my point is, I think, you know, talking about stories like your story and, and, you know, getting people to think that these cultural inflection points, you know, not just organizational, I talked about personally things happen to people and you can look at them like that or, you can look at it as things happen for them. You know, if you take that abundance mentality and say, once again, I'm going back to the stimulus response thing. I got a bunch of stuff coming at me. In your case, this last year has been crazy full of stimulus. You can sit there and go, woe is me and, and you know, lay down in the corner. Or you can accept it and say, it, it doesn't define me, but it helps strengthen me so that I can, one, be myself own my own life but maybe impact and influence other people to deal with some of the same obstacles that i'm going through and that's that's what you're doing now by just voicing you know the things that have gone on with you and again i go back to what brand said i think this is incredibly brave of you to do that and for me thank you for saying that for me it's it's not bravery as much as it's this visceral need to share and to normalize and to not carry around so much. And I did, I had probably, I I shared my, my story of assault on Facebook. I mean, you can't get more transparent than that. (laughs) And so many people reached out privately to say, 
this happened to me or this happened to my daughter and she's still afraid to say something. Mm. And, you know, yesterday was uh, my birthday, if I may uh, take a moment. Happy birthday. Just acknowledge myself for making it 45 years. Um, But I, one of the things that was so important to me was to, to raise money for the national Alliance for mental illness. Mm. And what, I explained in that ask was that these facets of my life are, are layers of a beautiful life. The, the PTSD and the anxiety and all the, all the imperfections, they're layers of a beautiful life. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my perspective on that has been shaped by really taking control and taking ownership of how I respond to all that stimuli. Yeah. But it's hard. It's so much easier. Now, let's be clear. There are times when I lay on my bed or sometimes under it and just sob. Yeah. Because you have to sometimes. Yeah. And that's very therapeutic for me. Or I'll have conversations with my dad that I lost too soon, and then I'll get really woe is me. And, um, but then you, you can visit there. You know, yep. that can that can be at the front of the bus, but it can't hold the wheel. That's right. We had um, actually the night that the three of us were hanging out in that hospitality suite at Chart. One of the things that Brant um, had shared with me is that we had a listener, somebody who had had uh, basically subscribed to the show, reach out. Now, we know you and these are very in-depth conversations that, that we can have. But we had somebody out of the clear blue that said... I've been listening to the show and this one that I listened to completely affected me and changed my life. And by the way, uh, I'm a sexual assault survivor. Um, Actually, I think she mentioned she was one of Bill Cosby's uh, rape victims, which was a huge shock for us. Um, And, you know, again, we're, we're having a lot of fun. Um, We do talk every once in a while about some serious stuff like what we're doing here, but our intent wasn't to necessarily reach out to, people to I, I think completely revolutionize their life um, but the things we do talk about are yeah. life-changing apparently yeah. for some folks and so you know you never know who out there is listening and I think where maybe the episode that this particular person was listening to I think when yours airs it's going to have the same effect on other people that yes. are going through something similar to you agreed yeah well and the good news there is you have my phone number so mm-hmm. you can connect anybody with me, um, you know, for better or for worse. I, I don't have boundaries. <laughs> I am very you mean filter. Open uh, about- I, I equate that as filter. <laughs> Is that what you mean? Sarah's therapist <laughs> on line two. Sarah's therapist um, on line two. <laughs> well, I'll show myself out. Um, but I really, you know, if we're not here to genuinely love and care for one another and if we're not here to just leave it better than we found it what are we doing yeah and and it's something that i went through uh, you know i remember this after my dad died too if something that i went through can benefit somebody else just by me understanding and using the same language and 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 being honest about what i've gone through thank god yeah you know it's nothing is in vain yeah, this is going to be so completely low level than what we're talking about. I was just sharing um, th- this point with Brant earlier today. We have a listener who gave me a piece of advice when we first launched the show, um, and and this particular person 
didn't like part of the uh, the show's format. And um, that's fine. It did resonate with her. But I marinated on that, like you had mentioned that that word before. Yeah. And I started to have self-doubt. You know, I, it started to set in. And I'm thinking to myself, maybe we should change this one thing. But I talked it over with Brant. And, and he basically was like, hell no, we're not changing any of that. His whole idea was, <laughs> you know, that this we're getting this overwhelming feedback about how great it is about this one thing that this one person didn't like. And so, you know, again, I think that the inner critic started to take over with me. And can I maybe sit back and think about it strategically and, and go, maybe we should make some decisions differently. Um, but it never it never takes over the wheel. I mean, that's the whole point, right? And after we talk through it, knowing that that's what fans liked best, actually, about the show you know, we're, we're very cognizant of it, but it's not going to determine the outcome. We get to decide, we get to choose. Our lives are not dictated to us. So again, I think it runs the gamut when I'm looking at our two thoughts that we've shared here. You know, the moral of the story is once again, you've got the stimulus and it could be small and petty and little, or it could be big and grandiose and it's life changing. And regardless of it, you get to decide how you want to let it in and and let it be as easy as it can be. It's why I carry around a pocket full of middle fingers. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And tiny little boxes. I never know that when I'm going to have to pull those out and and, and share them with people. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. He's doing it right now, Sarah. You can't see, (laughs) but it is happening But I am telling Jim he's number one. (laughs) And he's doing it twice, which is great. Sarah, where um, I, I know that you've just taken over um, not, not just your new job, but you've taken over the reins uh, for this year, your elected office in Chart, the uh, Council Hotel and Restaurant Trainers. But I think if people, to your point, if they want to get in touch with you or just stay connected to you, how do they do that? What's the best place that they can get in, in touch with you? There are so many ways to get in touch with. I uh, seriously, if I, I would be the worst witness protection person. Uh, I am. I am on LinkedIn. I am on Facebook. I am on Twitter. You have my phone number. If somebody asks you for it, you have my permission to give it. Um, and because Minneapolis St. Paul is what it is, if you live here, I'll probably already know you or <laughs> run into yes. you. Yes. In the next couple of weeks. Perfect. We may even put the, uh, we'll put the website for chart as well if people are interested in that, but we, I'll get all your personal information. And again, we'll put it in the show notes here, but honestly, we're so grateful and so thankful. Uh, again, I knew we were trying to do this uh, a couple months back, but this will be perfect um, for, for people just to, you know, taking a little bit of a different type of a thoughts that rock and, and we couldn't be more thrilled with the, uh, the time that you spent with us today. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, it's it's my pleasure, and you know the work that that the two of you are doing. Uh, I'll just add quickly. After meeting Brant this summer, and having our conversation, which seemed nice and casual, and I really I really started you know doing some some thinking kind of on the flight home, and I asked myself if my core values were aligning with my actions and. That's kind of when I knew I needed to make a change in my career. And uh, once I made that decision and, and kind of admitted to myself, whoa, I'm not super proud of of how things are going right now, um, a job opened up. It was the easiest process ever, not because I made it easy. It just, it just was that way. Some things are. Um, but the work that you do in terms of 
helping people to identify their their core values and helping people understand how they can take their passion and not compromise uh, and be successful, wonderful human being. That's important work. And I just want to thank both of you for the impact that you've had on me. Well, changing careers one person at a time is my specialty. <laughs> That's what he aims That's right. to do. I am, I am HR's favorite, favorite weapon. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, there's a mutual love affair for sure going on here. And uh, again, we'll, we'll look for you down the road. But uh, thank you so much again for the time. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you both. Thank you, sir. Rock on. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to make sure you don't ever miss an episode. And if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, we're exclusively represented by Kepler Speakers, the industry's leading resource for booking conference keynotes. To start your unforgettable experience, go to KeplerSpeakers.com. Until next time, rock rock on. on.